All right. Thank you, Clark, so much for sharing your life. Uh, we love hearing those stories, uh, just the stories of reconciliation, not just between people, uh, but between us and God. They're so beautiful, and uh, we really appreciate you sharing uh, your life with us. My name is Matt Pardee, one of the pastors here at the church. We are so glad to have you guys here today to worship, to dive into the Word. Um, this is a privilege and something so uh, exciting for us every week. We never take it for granted, and we're very excited about going through the book of James. If you're just joining us here uh, and you're not sure uh, what this is all about, let me give you a little bit of background of this series of James that we're going through. Uh, in a nutshell, James is a very hard-hitting book. It's very blunt and not sugar-coated. And James was very concerned with the people in his church and the Christians of that time in these brand new churches of people giving their life to Jesus, but really not responding with a life dedicated to Christ. He was really trying to preach against any kind of hypocrisy or a haphazard effort to follow Jesus. So if you kind of think of a lot of the New Testament books that are filled with grace and mercy and kind of love and softer language, this is not one of them. This is a very blunt one. And so we're into this series now, and throughout the book of James, he kind of hits on these different topics, 12 different topics, actually. And the one for today that we're talking about is how we view other people and our judgment, our possible judgment toward other people. So we're in James chapter 2, 1 through 13. And what I was thinking about this teaching and preparing for it, I was thinking about our driving habits that we have. And now I really love driving. I love traveling. It's very peaceful for me. I've been traveling a little bit more in these last few years. And to get in the car and kind of just get out on the highway and go the speed that I want to go and listen to the radio stations that I want to, that's very relaxing for me. Really cool thing about that that I appreciate and never take for granted, in my wife's family, in the, a relative of my wife's family, is the person who invented cruise control. Now, how cool is cruise control, right? Isn't cruise control amazing? Um, I love setting the cruise control. If I ever get in a car and it doesn't have cruise control and I know my leg is going to ache, that's not as pleasant of a drive. But getting in the car and just going the speed that I want to is awesome. Now, I set that up for you. Now, you're driving down the highway and you just keep coming up against traffic that's not going the speed that you want to. And when you get behind those people, you're like, come on. Speed up. I want you to go the speed that I'm going. And whatever speed I'm set, I also have a view of the people that come flying by me on the left side. And I think, wow, those people are crazy, right? They're not going the right speed. I'm going the right speed. Maybe a couple weeks ago when you are in the snow, you kind of had that experience where you're kind of trying to get home or do whatever, and you get behind somebody that's just going like 20 miles an hour, and there's like two inches of snow. You're like, come on, you chicken push the gas, you know, let's get going. It's not that bad. But if you're going a certain speed in the snow and someone comes flying by in that lane that has not been plowed, you think that's, that's dangerous. That's ridiculous that you're doing that because they're not going the speed that you are going. That is kind of this mentality that they had in the church that James was speaking to. And he's saying to them, the people that are not like you, the people that are not going the same speed as you, the people that don't make as much money as you, the people that look a little different from you, you are judging them. You have all these evil thoughts toward them, and it is breaking down the unity in your church. 
Matter of fact, people were suing each other and there was hatred and there was division in the church. And James was saying, this is unacceptable. As a follower of Christ, we cannot live like this. So let's jump right into chapter 2. We're starting in verse 1, and we'll see what James is sharing with this group. He says this, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now this particular situation, as we can read here, is talking about the rich and the poor and the division that was between these two groups of people and the fights that were being created. And even the pastor, even some of the leaders of the church were showing favoritism toward the wealthy people and looking down and treating negatively the poor people that were coming into the church. And that's the first point is the actual verse at the very beginning there, verse 1. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. As we follow Jesus Christ, He's going to give us new eyes to view people in a different way. And we, as Christ followers, are not going to go through our lives showing favoritism toward people that are different from us. In this scenario, rich or poor. But think of all the different scenarios that can divide us or make us judge other people. And throughout the Scriptures, it affirms this same principle that we must not show favoritism. What was happening in this favoritism, as we're going to read on, is this hardness of heart toward people that were different. We could be very susceptible to stereotypes. And we, we don't have relationship with people. We don't understand where they're coming from. We can begin to judge them or let these negative thoughts come or assume things about other people that may not be true. This hardness of the heart is something that James was preaching very fervently against. He said, under no circumstances, if you want to walk with Jesus, can you just have this quick judgment or this quick hardness of heart about someone that you haven't even got to know? John Wesley says this quote. It says it so well. He says, one of the great reasons why the rich in general have so little sympathy for the poor is because they so seldom visit them. Hence it is that one part of the world does not know the, uh, how the other suffers. Many of them do not know because they do not care to know. They keep out of the way of knowing it and then plead their voluntary ignorance as an excuse for their hardness of heart. John Wesley speaks so clearly here to relationship and getting to know people and coming in with questions to understand where people are coming from. And this is so tempting for all of us. We even come off of a year that's just so divis divisive. So much has been thrown at us to divide us in many different ways. And we find ourselves on one tempted to have negative thoughts or evil thoughts toward other people. This is what James says as we read on in chapter 2, verse 4. 
Here's the next verse. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We can have this kind of running through our blood that we're quick to judge anybody that's different from us. The smart people just study too much. And those that aren't as smart as us, well, they're just uneducated. They're dumb. Cultural differences, ethnic differences, the rich, the poor, the political differences, the things that we're into, all of these things have the potential to bring negative thoughts. I remember uh, as a little kid uh, in our elementary school, we had a lot of Italians and Germans in our school. In my Tiffin, Ohio, it was just a lot of Italians and Germans. On my own street where the parties where we lived, the Paradisos, the Panudos, and the Pernas were all on our street. It's like a nice little Italian neighborhood. And I remember as a little kid going to school and this other little kid that was learning about Italians, and he said to me one day, hey, I'm just curious, do you as an Italian eat spaghetti every day? I was like, wow, how crazy and uneducated. I said, no, we eat spaghetti twice a day. (laughs) Unbelievable. We can have these stereotypes, these misunderstandings, these questions of ignorance that can stereotype and divide us. James goes on in verse 5 to talk even more about this. He says this, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Now let me just point out a couple things in this verse that I just love because he's taking his he's trying to get them to take their eyes off of the physical world, right? He says, you see that they're poor in the eyes of the world. I see them as rich in faith. I see them rich spiritually. Because how much money you make doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. He says they're going to inherit the kingdom. See that kind of money reference there? These people are rich for eternity if they have what? Faith in Jesus. Your faith makes you rich. Your faith in God, your acceptance of Jesus Christ and your belief in Him is what makes you adequate in the kingdom of God. He says He promised those, what? Who love Him. You see, there is a judgment in this world. There is good judgment, there's righteous judgment, and then there's unrighteous judgment in the Bible. And let me just explain that. The Bible talks a lot about God as our judge. And we are going to be measured according to His Word. And He has this judgment toward us as a righteous judge because of sin in the world. And He actually says to us, we should evaluate things. We should judge things. Not with a negative feeling, but we should call sin out when we see it. We should observe like, hey, that's not right what that person's doing. I, I see judgment in myself. And, and, and you might see this in relationships. You say, wow, These things don't measure up according to God's Word, and that is a righteous judgment. The unrighteous judgment is when it leads to this negativity, this evil thought. So let me just say this. There's a righteous judgment that leads to repentance. It leads people to God. It leads people to forgiveness. And there's an unrighteous judgment that leads to the evil thoughts that divide us. 
These thoughts that we have toward people, is it with compassion? And we say, man, I hope they find Jesus so that they can get their lives right. Or do we look down upon them? So point number two, physical factors of a person don't matter in God's kingdom. The love of Jesus is what matters. For you and I to be adequate before God, for you and I to measure up in God's kingdom, it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through Christ's righteousness imparted into us can we be the people that God wants us to be. So showing any partiality or worse, discriminating speaks against the inherent value of every person. Because our actions and our culture and our past and all these different things that we can give so much attention to do not matter because of our inherent worth in God. Every one of us has value in the eyes of God. John Calvin says this so well, we should not regard what a man is and what he deserves. But we should go higher than that. We should rise above it. That, is, that it is God who has placed us in the world for such a purpose that we be united and joined together. He has impressed His image in us and has given us a common nature which should incite us to providing for one another. The man who wishes to exempt himself from providing for his neighbors should face himself and declare that he no longer wishes to be a man. For as long as we are human creatures, we must contemplate as in a mirror our face in those who are poor, despised, exhausted, and who groan under their burdens. You see, as we see these people face to face, as we evaluate every person, he says we're looking in a mirror. We're looking in a mirror because of the image of God that is impressed upon every one of us. And that's what really makes us rise above this world, rise above our politics and our cultural differences and everything that the world throws at us to divide us. See, we're better than that. We're with Jesus. We are Christ followers and our eyes have been changed, our minds and our hearts have been changed and we rise above it because we see the value and dignity and inherent greatness in every human being because of God's fingerprint in them. It's amazing how that makes us rise above judgment and gives empathy and compassion and a big heart toward every person that we meet. Let's read on in James chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 10 as we talk about our neighbor and how we view them. In verse 8, James goes on to say this, if you really keep the royal law found in the Scriptures, this is God's economy, this is God's law, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Wow, that's a really bold statement. Let's look at that again. Is that really right, James? What are you saying here? If we keep the whole law, if we're really good people, but yet we stumble at one point, we're guilty of breaking all of it? Wow, that doesn't make any sense. How does that make any sense? Here's our third point. We all stumble, 
and become guilty. Why? Because we stand before a holy God. That's why we're all in the same boat. That's why every human in the whole world that's ever been born is all in the same boat. If you consider yourself a good person and you don't need Jesus, or you look down on someone else because you're a better Christian, or whatever, you don't understand James 2, verse 10, that we are all in the same boat because if, as we have stumbled a little bit or a lot, we stand before a holy God and He has a measuring stick that we all have to be measured up to. I brought some rulers today. Some different rulers that we use, that children use in school. We use these for all different kinds of things. They help us build things, and architects use them. And whether it's a tape measure or whatever kind of different measuring tool you might have, they all have something in common. If their units are the same, inches, for example, you can use this universally everywhere. And everyone says the same thing. If you say whatever that might be, a, you know, a, a foot is, is 12 inches, or we're going to make this building this big, and architects draw up all the plans, this helps us communicate a standard, a measurement, and a ruling. And this is what God has communicated to us through the Scriptures. The Bible says you and I are going to be measured not by our own units, not by our own measuring stick, but by God's universal measuring stick. And he says, because I'm so holy and because I'm so perfect and heaven is this perfect, blameless place, if you have any sins, you don't measure up. Just like it says in the Old Testament, you have been weighed and you have been measured and you have been found wanting. Every one of us need Jesus so desperately. I hope you understand that point today. When I just reflect on my past sins and all that I have done, and I'm really open and vulnerable to really come before God and admit my faults, I'm so quick to be filled up with gratitude for the cross and that Jesus has provided this forgiveness so that I can measure up. And because all of us have stumbled and all of us fall, we're going to stand before this holy God and be measured. That is why we don't judge one another. We've mentioned that James mentions the Proverbs a lot and James mentions the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And here's one of those examples in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Jesus says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We can run around our whole life in this miserable way with our yardstick, just trying to measure everybody and judge them and critique them. And Jesus says, hey, be careful. You know when you stand before me at the end of your life and that ruler that you've been waving at everybody, measuring them? You too will be measured by me, a holy God. The Word of God. Wow, that brings a humility. That brings compassion. But by the grace of God, there go I with all these different people. I want to respond with love. I want to respond with understanding. 
And here's our response. James gives it to us right here in verse 12 as we close this out. James says, here's what I want you to do. What do you do with this message? He says this, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's our final point. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We have been shown a great mercy. I am so grateful that when I stand before God, I am not going to be punished for all the dumb and selfish things I've done throughout my life. It fills me with a joy and a gratitude that I have been let off the hook. The mercy that He has shown toward me triumphs over the judgment that I deserve. If you are in Christ today, the mercy that Jesus is going to show you will triumph over the judgment that you deserve. And as we open up our hearts to that truth and God is you know, really filling us with the Spirit, then the mercy that we show others will now triumph over the judgment that we are tempted to feel toward them. So James says, leave this place. And here's how I want you to respond. Speak and act differently toward people. Speak to them with mercy. Ask them questions. Get to know them. Think, how can I help you? How can I love you? How can I move the needle in your life to get you closer and more intimate with God so that you might be the person that you are intended to be? Speak and act as those that have mercy flowing through their veins. Let's pray for that today. Lord, thank You so much for the incredible mercy that You have shown every one of us. Lord, what a debt of gratitude that we can have just welling up in our hearts of Your incredible grace and forgiveness. Lord, I pray for every one of us hearing this today that two things would happen. Lord, in one hand, we would have this awe this, this righteous fear of the judgment day that will come. You there, Lord, with your ruler, with your scriptures, us being weighed and measured according to how we live, and that should create a little bit of fear and awe in every one of our lives. But Lord, right there in your other hand is mercy, forgiveness, grace, a new start. Wow. Lord, thank You so much for a new start. Every one of us has the same invitation and open arms from a holy God saying, yes, you've stumbled. Yes, you've fallen. Yes, you are guilty of it all. But come to Me that you might receive grace. Lord, let us, every one of us, run into Your arms. Say, thank you, Jesus. I deserve to be judged, but you showed me mercy. Lord, as we really experience that in a deep way, Lord, help us to be a church that's merciful. Help us to be a church that's unified and understanding toward one another. Lord, all the irritability, all the frustration, all the judgment, all the things that, that divide us. God, would you just blow it out of us, Lord? Give us merciful hearts and compassion 
and fill us with the empathy that comes through a relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you want that in our lives and thank you that you can do that in our lives. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.